Okay. Uh, so shall we read from John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. <clears throat> After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up there his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their few, he told his disciples, gather up the leftovers fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments, for the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So we shall read through verses 12 to 15 again, and we shall look into this, uh, these four verses today. And we shall zoom in to look at sort of this interaction between Jesus and his disciples, and also towards the people, how he himself eventually have left the people without what they themselves have desired. We're going to look into that today. Verses 12 to 15. As, and when they had eaten their few, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the signs that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is coming into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So as we start off with today's passage from verse 12, we see that after they have finished their meal, Jesus told his disciples, get up the level of fragments that nothing may be lost. Now what is important here to note first of all is that they have eaten their few. Now, the issue, the problem that was happening in John chapter 6 was that there was not enough food. In fact, there was no food at all before the young boy came along. However, the solution for the fact that they did not have enough food was that Jesus had done a miracle and they themselves had eaten, uh, had eaten their few. Now, emphasis is that they had eaten their few. It's not just that they themselves took a small a small bite of the bread, you know, a small crust and whatnot. They have not just eaten, but they have been filled by Christ. And so we see that kind of overwhelming bountifulness that God is willing to give to these people at this point of time. That God was willing to provide for them, that Christ was willing to provide for them, to give them, so that they may not go hungry and not just that they themselves have eaten to their food. 
that they themselves are satisfied with the food that Christ has given to them. And so after this whole incident, this whole miracle that has gone, that has finished, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Two things are to be noted here when Jesus calls them to do this. First of all, when we talk about them eating their few, well, some might argue saying that, well, Jesus might have just given them enough that they are full. So that means the people at the front of them didn't eat a lot. But right here, when we see that Jesus calling his disciples to gather up this leftover fragment, we see that there was plenty food. There was more than enough. There was more than suffice for the poor, for the people right there. And Jesus commanded them to pick up those leftover fragments. See, their having leftover fragments it itself really proves enough to us that this is a miracle that had happened at the point of time. Why do I say that? You have 5,000 to about 10,000 people sharing five barley loaves. They didn't just finish the barley loaves, but they had leftover. They have enough leftovers that they themselves were to go and pick up. And so Jesus caused them to, uh, to pick it up that nothing may be lost. It sort of reflects to us a form of frugal living of, of Christ's commands to the disciples. And it is very much true that they themselves should not just be content with what they have or with the extra that they have, they will keep it. But they give it away or they themselves will survive on it later on in the days. See, this is this so-called this form of frugalness, this form of um, ensuring sufficiency in uh, in everything is almost a tradition of the Jews themselves also. You see, the Jews are well known to be frugal. The Jews was very careful not to lose any bread, nor let it fall to the ground to be trodden, to be trampled on. He who despises bread falls into the depths of poverty. This is the mentality of the Jews themselves. They have always this kind of understanding that they will not just have that they will not left, have leftovers. And if they have levels, they don't throw it away. They keep it, they store it up. So this in itself teaches us something that is very spiritual. This is more of a physical thing, yes, of course. But it gives us a very spiritual insight onto something. Are we so full with filled with spiritual knowledge that we despise the minor things? Are we going to the extent of keeping every little bit of Christ. Yes, Christ blesses us with bountiful things. Christ blesses us bountifully spiritually also. But out of these blessings, we are overfilled. Do we not, do we neglect then the bits and pieces, the small bits and pieces of it? Do we not appreciate the great mercies that God has shown to us? And in this case, Christ has shown to his people that they themselves have ensured that no good that came from God would be lost. Nothing that is good from God may be lost. They appreciate every single bit of what was from Christ himself. And so what about us ourselves? You know, a lot of times we feel that we are so bombarded with different spiritual blessings that we neglect the minor details of our own lives. 
Christ calls them to lose nothing that has come from God. And so this is something that we should reflect about ourselves. Good things has been granted us by God. But how much good things has been lost from us, by us, that is from God. God grants us blessings, we lose it, or we neglect to see it. So that itself is something for us to think a bit more about. Now the next thing, when we look at verse 13, it says here, They gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments for the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Some of them, some people very interestingly, I don't really know why, but they try to explain this miracle away that they themselves uh, said that this bread itself was a very symbolic idea. You know, it's more of a symbolic fulfillment for people. And so they themselves, like how we take communion, you know, take a small piece of bread or a small piece yeah, or, or bread or anything of such. And then they share it and then they just eat it among themselves. So there was some some people who interpreted it with for some reason. But when we come to verse 13, this explanation falls short. They themselves gather up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. If we were to explain these things as just a very physical idea and it is not a miracle, how can we make sense of having five bread fitting into 12 baskets? It's either your baskets are very small or your five bread, five your, your five body loaves are huge. That's the only way of explaining it. That is the only way of a naturalistic understanding of this passage. So that sounds impossible. Sounds incredible. So it is impossible because it is a miracle. That's where we understand it. They gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments. First of all, we know that in verse 12, we have already, already established the fact that they themselves had eaten two food. They themselves They themselves have filled up with food and it's the same as the cup. They themselves has been full to the brim and not just that, they themselves are overflowed with the dreams, the blessings that which God has blessed them with, that Christ has blessed them with. Jesus himself was willing to give them the extra portion of what they themselves desire. So it is the same for us today. How does it look like that Christ himself has granted us abundant blessings? This is how it looks like. He doesn't just fill the cup of ours to the brim, but he overflows it for us. He grants us more than what we deserve, more than what we desire also. But how do we look at it? That is the question for ourselves that we ought to ask ourselves. Do we see the fragments that has been left behind, the extra things which Christ himself has given to us? Or do we neglect it and turn a blind eye upon those things which we have been blessed with? They gather up a few 12 basket food. Do we gather up the blessings of God to us, the small and minor blessings from God and fill the 12 baskets? 
do we recognize the blessings, the minor fragments of the blessing of God in our own lives to fill 12 baskets full? From the five loaves left by those who have eaten. The truth of the miracles has been proven here already. The greatness of Christ is proven here also. He ensures that he will <clears throat> he has the interest of those who come and seek after him. He himself has the interest of those who have came after him. You see, the large crowd, as many once again, when we look at that, he was following that. They saw everything that Jesus has done. And when they are hungry, Jesus fed them, both spiritually and physically. And this physical feed, uh, feeding of them reflects the spiritual nourishment that Christ has granted to them also. And so we have that established right here. We have Christ's love towards these people. And so we observe next that because of this miracle that Christ has done to the people, the people are influenced and we observe how the people react to what has been done. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, in the Jewish faith itself, we have priests, we have Pharisees, we have Sadducees, we have all these groups of people who proclaim themselves to have the knowledge of God, who proclaim for themselves that they know this prophet is coming. And how do they proclaim it? They do the law. They live in accordance to the law, they keep the law, and they ensure everyone around them keeps the law also, that they may abide in the law. But what they have failed is to see the end of the law. And so that is very different in contrast to this group of people right here. The group of people right here understood the end of the law, the creator of the law and the fulfillment of the law in all things. But yet the Pharisees did not know. The lay people at this point of time sitting in the grass patch had done much more than the religious leader at that point of time. They understood that this prophet, the promised Messiah, who is to come into the world. They saw this miracle and they might themselves have actually drew a form of uh, link to what has happened in the past also. Now, some people here are Jews, some people are not. The Jews themselves who have understood the story of Exodus, how Moses himself have fed his people, how Moses himself by his hand has granted water for them to drink, and how Moses himself has brought the people out of the land of slavery, out of Egypt. That in a way foreshadows the coming of Christ. And at this point of time, he does that in a very physical manner. He feeds his people with a form of mana, in a sense of, uh, in the sense of that five bodies. He provided for them the food that they required. And he himself will free them from the world, from the grass of sin and from the from the grass of hell itself. Jesus himself was capable of doing these things.
so they themselves might have seen that. They myself have seen what Moses was foreshadowing of, of Christ who is to come into this world. And they proclaim that they themselves, they, 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 they proclaim that they have seen this prophet, that they proclaim about the Messiah that is to come. They saw the miracles which Christ have demonstrated that he himself is God. So we see that also, we also see this working of miracles also. That the purpose of the miracle throughout John during the time of the, um, of the writing of the gospel, we see the purpose of the miracle is a way of God proving himself. It's a way of Christ showing himself to the crowds that he was the, uh, he was the Messiah that has been promised. He was God himself. You see, once again, when we talk about the book of John talk about the deity of Christ. We cannot follow miracles which Christ has done. We must assert that this has been done by Christ because he is God. He is capable of doing these things. He is the prophet who is to come into the world and has now come into the world to do all these things. They were amazed and they were convinced of the things which Christ has done. But it's rather interesting if you realize that. You see, when Jesus done miracles in the past, in verse 2, they saw that Jesus, uh, they saw the sign that he was doing on the sick, but they themselves did not believe. Did they really believe that Jesus was a prophet? Well, we might not know. It's not really explicitly mentioned here uh, in John chapter 2 but we have we might have an understanding that well they followed Christ so they might have a sort of understanding that Jesus is God but the testimony of what they see and the testimony of what they have heard is not enough to satisfy their craving they needed Christ to feed them then they understand they needed a miracle to happen on them, then they understand. Then this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Do you see how sad in a way this is for the people? They themselves need proof. They themselves want to seek for Christ for proof in their own life before they believe. How much grief must they go through for that to occur to them, that they long for that? It is the same today. Many of us today living in this world today are unwilling to believe in Christ also. As Christians, we might be unwilling to believe in Christ, what he has done and everything because things has not happened on us. But what is proven here is that things have happened on us. But it is the fact that we ourselves do not recognize the blessings that God has brought upon us as people of God. If Christ was willing to do these things to a group of followers who wanted to see him do miracles, what more then would he give to us as people who genuinely follow him as Jesus, the Son of God, the one who came to this world to save us from sin and from the punishment of sin? Think about our relationship with Christ compared to Christ's relationship to these people that follow him. It's not our, our relationship with Christ much greater than this. 
then will not Christ provide us with much greater things? And this is something for us to think a bit more about. Now, lastly, when we come to verse 15 itself, perceiving then they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, once again, at, at this point of time, as I mentioned before, the group of people right here, there will be veterans around. There will be people of the Gentiles who would love to have a king. Uh, this is something that is rather interesting. Because, of course, their understanding of the king is very different from the understanding of kingship for Christ himself and for God himself. They themselves wanted to come and take him by force to make him king. This is very interesting because most of the time as people, as human beings, the concept of forcing someone to be king is unheard of. Unless that. Uh, unless that person would be the children of the current king or the children of a king who has passed away. If not, there is no reason for you to force someone to be king, especially when it is a 30-year-plus-old man. Why would you force him to make him king? And this is rather interesting that they want to force Jesus into the position of kingship, which he himself did not desire and he himself did not come to do. This is not the kingdom that he is looking for. This is not the kingdom that he has come to establish. You see, people have the understanding and the perception of God, of Christ, to be the physical king, to be the king to reign over us, like how a government would reign over us. And this is the same thing that this group of people might have understood Jesus' purpose of coming to this earth. But yet, we forget and they might, not, they might not know or they forget that Jesus' purpose was not there. That Jesus himself was born in a lowly manger. And if he is God, and if he is the Messiah that they themselves have claimed Jesus to be, then why would not he, why would not Jesus make himself born into the line of kings from the start? Something that they themselves did not understand purpose of Jesus coming to do, to work. His purpose is to come, to die on the cross for us as sinners. He is ruling in heaven right now, at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all of us as saints, as people of God. Jesus, knowing this, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. See, he did not seek the honor of men as them. Jesus did not need the honor, he did not require the honor, and he did not ask for this honor for himself. He did not need them to make him king. Jesus very well knew where he stood, above all men, above men as such. But yet this man wants to make Jesus king. It's quite amazing that they themselves perceive Christ to be as just a miracle worker, a magician, some of them might have understood it. But they did not worship him as God himself. Now, this is something for us as Christians right now to contemplate a bit more about also now, at this junction. Jesus has done a miracle for these people and these people made, wanted to make him king. Not seeking the request of Christ, not consulting what Jesus himself has came to do, not consulting what Jesus wished, to do, 
what would you just wish for us to do as his followers? But they themselves, with their own understanding, with their own perceptions, wanted to make him king. Something for us to think about more as Christians living in this world today. Are we worshipping God the way he hopes to be worshipped? Are we honouring God the way God hopes for us to honour him? Or are we forcing God our way to worship God with our own understanding, with our own perception, with our own wants, with our own desires? Something for us to think about more as Christians today. Are we living in accordance to the will of God? Or are we worshipping God and praising God according to our own will? Are we following scriptures in order as command? Or are we going with our own understanding, our own logic and our own perceptions of this world? Are we, in a way, judging God? Are we, in a way, putting God in ourselves, in our sense, sorry. Are we trying to control God according to our own knowledge and our own understanding? Like God, God. This is very true for this case right here and for the case of us as Christians today. So with that, I will end us off here today. Uh, I hope that we can continue to spend time to think through about these things also. And then, yeah, we'll end here today. Uh, can I have Tsising to close us in prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for filling us with your word. You, um, as we continue to meditate on it and continue to study on it, um, will you uh, help us and meet every one of us and help us to be a good testimony to you in Jesus' name.